Smell that wonderful Highland air. That is great. Oh, I'm having a great time in Scotland. Had some haggis. I've uh, gone for a bit of a walk in the upper Mont. I think they call them. <laughs> I think they call them Monts for some reason. I don't know. Uh, now I'm here at Loch Ness, and bloody hell! I think that's the monster. Uh, it's coming towards me. Let's get my binoculars out. Oh, gross! kind of big and oily and it's coming closer it's got a oh you can smell it too that's disgusting <laughs> oh no oh, oh it's luke hey hey luke how are you going very predictable very yeah, I know. predictable I, I felt like i was getting into the role though <laughs> <laughs> oily was uh, a particularly sore note thanks very much that, <laughs> sorry about that <laughs> Right, Don. Loch Ness Monster, old Nessie. This is uh, a nice little topic, but before we yes, get into a little it. topic on a little little cute little monster. <laughs> before we get into it, what, yep. what's been happening in, in Don's world? Nothing much. The most, I, I say nothing much every single week. It's a sad, sad uh, reflection on my life. <laughs> uh, the only thing that's going on is I have to change pharmacists because for some reason the pharmacists I go to, you know when they ask you your phone number so mm. they can put it into the system because you've got an account? Yeah. He has this thing where he he doesn't he's you can tell he's proud of it. His big thing is that he doesn't look at the number pad when he's typing in your phone number. So all he does he looks at you straight in the eye and you can tell he's <laughs> concentrating. So he's got like this dead pan. He's like um, he could be dead inside. And I'm like oh four oh three and he's just staring at me, <laughs> kind of like I'm John Connor and he's Terminator Two. <laughs> While like his a, hand is furiously bashing away. His hand is like, yeah, it's like working independently. <laughs> but you can tell he's really concentrating. Anyway, I can't handle it anymore, so I've got to change pharmacists. Nah, That's it. Makes Only makes <laughs> sense. It's the only logical yeah. thing to do. Can't deal, can't deal with it anymore. That's the pharmacist equivalent of the waitress or the waiter that doesn't write your order down. That's, oh, they always get it wrong. Just play it safe. Play it safe. Why you wouldn't you write here? it down? I think in um, Curb Your Enthusiasm there's a thing about it. Yeah, the latest season. He's like... You're not going to write that down? <laughs> and I've had it. And I'm like, oh, she's going for it. And he's always, they come back. Was that a Coca-Cola? Like, no. <laughs> <laughs> like, they always get it wrong. What? Just use a pad and paper. I will say, though, that it does not say an awful lot for your, the uh, activity of your life that the big news item was mm. <laughs> a pharmacist took down my mobile phone number while looking at me. <laughs> yeah. That's the highlight of the past three months. <laughs> I was like, this is unbe- this is podworthy right here. This is unbelievable. <laughs> We've got to record quick. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you've had a much more eventful little while. Oh, uh, couple of, couple of things. It. Not as exciting mm. as the, uh, the pharmacy incident. No. But no, no, no. one very quick one. Uh, I found out that apparently my daughter has been playing our podcast to her grade one class, which mm-hmm. when you think back to some of the immature things we say on this show... Nah, look, that's a solid education. Uh, I think she, I think the youth are in good hands and she's made the teacher's job a little bit easier. Oh, yeah. Now we need to change schools is the long, long and the short of that story. <laughs> the other thing is we've made everyone less mature is basically what's going on. Yeah. The whole grade is repeating a year is what's happening. Yeah. 
The other thing, uh, I'm not sure, have you had a flat tyre recently? I've never had a flat tyre in my life. I had one this week. I mm. accidentally drove over a screw, punctured my tyre. <laughs> but like, are you look, are you, when you're driving, are you looking for screws on the road to avoid? It's like <laughs> I, accidentally, I accidentally drove over a screw. I'm pretty sure Dick Dastardly <laughs> threw some screws out the back of his car. No, <laughs> and I just went right over them. Was, I missed the oil slick though, so that was all right. Yeah, well, that's good. All the banana. <laughs> so, screw in the tyre. I pulled it out and the tyre just deflated. Rookie mistake right there. Oh, yeah. I I didn't know what to do. Did they say that though? Well, no, I didn't know what to do because I'm like, I want to see has it actually punctured through, Mm. or is it? Because I can't drive around with half a screw hanging halfway out of the tire. (laughs) Would you (laughs) would you have just left it in there? Uh, Well, I actually had that happen to me. It wasn't a screw. It was more like just a bit of metal, and so I kept it in there. I think ultimately it's going to be the same result. But I just drove to the tire shop and then they fixed it for me. By taking the screw out, presumably. <laughs> yeah, they did. But, but it didn't go... F- I didn't have to drive on a flat tyre, which can ruin your rims a little lurky. Well, um, I see what you're saying. <laughs> well, because yeah. I actually had this decision point where I'm like, do I try and put the spare tyre on myself or do I just call for roadside assistance? Yeah. So where were you at this point? On a main road? I was actually back home. So I actually mm-hmm. drove the, uh, the screw tyre home, then took the screw out when I was in the front of my house. Yeah, okay. Now, I have been dreading this... I'm a 42-year-old man. Mm. I've never had a flat tire. I'm dreading the, the time that I do because the only time, and I think I've mentioned it before, the only time I was shown how to change a flat tire was I was half shown by my dad when I was about 17 and then I made some smart-ass comment and then he kicked me <laughs> and then I had to leave. And so I don't really, I know, I know how to set it up. I don't know how to finish it. <laughs> my memory of that incident was he didn't just kick you, he also called you a dickhead. <laughs> He could have, and he was a nice man. So he didn't say that. So he didn't say that flippantly. He thought about it, and then he was probably pretty accurate. I was about seventeen. I, I thought I was pretty cool. I had the same thing uh, minus the kick. Where Dad taught us, you know, twenty-three years ago, I learned how to change a tire, and I haven't used yeah. it since. So it's a very rusty skill, and I have to cut three kids around. So I was like. The last thing I would ever do was drive a car that I've changed the tire for because I'm notoriously yeah. hopeless at that stuff. So I ended up calling the roadside assistance company to kind of come and change the tire. But there was a yeah. big part of me because, you know, your whole neighborhood is watching you get another person to come in and change your tire. Yeah. Not a great It's moment. embarrassing. It is. I would, yeah. I would probably, I don't know if I would try if I'd call um, roadside assistance, <laughs> but I would feel... Completely emasculated <laughs> if I did it. And yeah. I probably would have to do it because I don't know what I'm doing. Oh, yeah. It's, uh, yeah. I, I think I'd be fine except for where to put the jack under the car. I don't know. Where do you put it? <laughs> Great point. <laughs> Great yeah, point. I don't know. You got me there. That's I think it's meant to be a special point. I don't know. <laughs> we would just put it anywhere under the car and just hope for the best. <laughs> I would. <laughs> All right. So before we go any further, Don, let's, uh, let's throw to mum. And take a walk inside the room with a review. Mum. Hey, Mum. I don't think she's there. Should we go have a look? Yeah, let's take a little walk in. All right, hang on. Let's pack my head in. It's cold in here. It is cold. There's a few tumbleweeds. Uh, It's desolate. You'd describe it as desolate. A A wasteland? It's exactly what it's like. 
It's Luke's dating life from age 15 to age 25. Uh, <laughs> okay. Okay, it's both of our dating lives. Uh, <laughs> doesn't matter. Moving on. Now, look, no reviews since the last episode. How hurtful. What? A, how do you do? How do yeah. you do? Oh, well, not a big deal. That's fine. We'll be fine. We'll just bounce back. Not a big deal. Some of that hot pharmacy content will get them back in. That'll get the reviews coming in. <laughs> it will. I think we're going to get some keyboard buffs in, coming into the next uh, next episode. Where's the keyboard chat? <laughs> All right. Well, we better close this uh, close this room and, and get on with the episode, Dom. Okay. Anyway, guys, if you want to have your review read out by our mum, which as if you wouldn't. It'd be awesome. What's that about at Outlook.com or actually leave a proper review. Uh, iTunes, Podchaser, anywhere. I don't know. Amazon. Do an Amazon review for our podcast. Yep. Very good. Okay. Yelp. Uh, <laughs> Yelp here. Yeah. Yelp's not really in Australia, is it? Uh, I don't think so. Someone referenced Yelp no. the other day and I, I pretended I knew what it was. I'm not really sure what it is. Um, Alrighty. Well, let's get on with the episode. Loch Ness Monster Don. Before we get into the Don's definition, have you been to the Loch Ness? I've never been to Loch Ness. Interesting. That's very. I lived in Scotland for a while. It was about three months. I should pretend it's longer, so I <laughs> imply that it's longer. Like I lived there for a bit, um, but yeah, I didn't really. Where is Loch Ness? I don't even know. It's it's just a little bit below Inverness, I think. Hmm. Have I been to Loch Ness? Ah, oh, well, I may have been to Loch Ness. I've seen the world. I've travelled. Hmm. I yeah, I spent some time there. Yeah, yeah. Um. So what did you do at at Loch Ness. Uh, I think I was just on like a little day tour. <laughs> I think uh, an organized day tour. But mm. I, we ended up just, you know, walking along the side of it for a little bit. But I will say this because it is a, it's a funny lake in that it is, it is incredibly long, mm. but it's quite narrow. Mm-hmm. But it, you can just tell it is really deep. And in doing the research for this episode, I found out how deep it actually is. And it's like, it's like two hundred and you know seventy odd meters deep, which is actually deeper than like the North Sea that surrounds Scotland. Yeah, it's really deep. It's actually, it's not the deepest in the UK, but it is the largest body of water in the UK, and it's actually bigger in terms of volume than the rest of the lakes in the UK combined. Oh, yeah, it's massive. And the the three things that get you when you're there, because I've been there, not a big deal. It's mm. um, is one because it's so deep. And the water, I think there's something to do with the soil around the the lake. It's very, I think it's like, I think they call it peat rich. It's very black. So mm. the water is almost like black water. Yeah. So you take the black water with the mythology that surrounds the lake and the fact that it's so big and you do automatically feel it's an eeriness to it. Like it does feel mm. eerie because of those factors. Actually, when I was there, we were just walking on some rocks next to the lake and I slipped in and ended up getting wet like halfway up my thighs just because I was just... Halfway up your thighs? I kind of fell in to the lake up to my up to my legs and had to sit on the, the bus on the way back to the, the kind of the hotel with wet jeans, which is not a great moment. <laughs> That's annoying. <laughs> Apparently, it's five degrees as well. It's five degrees all year round. Winter, oh, summer, it doesn't really change. I guess it's because of the large sort of amount of water it is right yeah it doesn't freeze even though everything else around it's frozen during winter Mm -hmm. Mm. um yeah interesting body of water which obviously has this very interesting 
kind of like a tourism trap in a way. Like we went there because of the Loch Ness Monster. We didn't go there for any other reason. But let's hit us with the Don's definition before we go any further. Hold on to your stovepipes. It's time for Don's definition. Okay, so the Loch Ness Monster, affectionately known as Nessie, is a creature in Scottish folklore that is said to inhabit Loch Ness in the Scottish Highlands. It's often described as large, long-necked, with one or more humps protruding from the water. Which, and one of my favourite things is reading the descriptions of, of the Loch Ness Monster and imagining they're describing you in, like, going swimming. And it, it, actually, it actually fits quite, quite well. Hang on, say that again. Okay, I'm going to ignore the long-necked bit because your neck is... It's just an it's an average neck. That is the uh, only bit that doesn't fit with me in the Loch Ness Monster. Is that what you're saying? Yeah. Yes. That's <laughs> it's often described as large with one or more humps protruding from the water. It sounds like you're doing the backstroke, if I'm, on, <laughs> if I'm honest. <laughs> I will say that one of the theories about what the Loch Ness Monster is, is that it's just a, a really big catfish called a Wells catfish. Did you did you read that theory? No, I didn't. Can How you, big does a Wells catfish? Get? You Google for a minute. Google Wells catfish. And when I saw the Wells catfish, a it is enormous. But you know how a catfish mm. has those little things coming from the side of its mouth, like those little kind of tentacle things. Yeah, I'm like, like whiskers. That's, that's exactly what I look like when I do Movember because I can't grow any moustache. <laughs> <laughs> the, the fish is just constantly doing Movember. It's, Bloody hell, they are really big. It is there, it's a huge fish. It's an enormous fish, but it only has the little moustache out the side of the mouth, not on top. So it's almost like the opposite of Hitler's moustache. There's, just... there's a hint of Confucius around the uh, moustache. There is. There is. That's exactly what yeah. I look like when I try to grow a moustache. No, you're not that good. <laughs> How big is that catfish? Yeah, that's a big fish. So a lot of people think that's what a lot of the sightings are. It's just this enormous catfish. And it's really yeah. big. But like the classic photos, and most of them, and we'll get into this, but most of them are hoaxes, and probably all of them are hoaxes. Mm. Um, really, there's a hint of like somewhere between a dinosaur and an elephant going on with it. It doesn't look like a catfish. Well, yeah, that's that's almost like the the classic thing around the mythology is it's like a dinosaur, a water dinosaur that's been in this lake for a long period of time. Yeah, and. That's kind of the, the the classic Loch Ness monster belief, but then when I was looking into it, there are very few people who still believe in even in those that look for the Loch Ness monster, yeah. That they're looking for a dinosaur type creature in the water. It seems like most people have moved on to this idea that it's just an animal we're familiar with, but just a really big version of it, like a giant catfish or a giant eel or something that is kind of morphed into a ridiculous version of something we already know. That seems to be right. the the main thing that believers are thinking these days. Yeah. But the, so the sightings, it really sort of in modern culture, really kicked up a gear in the 30s mm. when there was uh, a dude, George Spicer, had an alleged sighting. But they've actually had sightings of like a massive sea monster in that lake since... 565 AD. Yeah, I think it was that Saint Columbo in 565. Saint Columbia, not Columbo. <laughs> one more, one more thing. He walks away from the lake and turns around. Uh, one more, more thing. thing. Yeah, one more thing. <laughs> Your neck's not that long. I actually heard it was even further than that. Apparently, 
1500 years ago, ago, there was this group called the Picts who were like... But 1500 years ago is about 565 AD. Well, maybe I've got my dates wrong here. But a long time ago, but way before St. Colombo, before Colombo was on the case, um, there was this group called the Picts who were like a tattoo-covered tribe who used Mm. to kind of wander the lands of Scotland before it was even called Scotland. And they used to carve animals into stone in that region. And this is like, again, it's just, uh, <laughs> there's no Loch Ness Monster. Let's just put that on the table early. But they um, they used to carve a whole range of animals that they saw. And all of them we can now identify as animals we know of. But they also drew an animal which was looked exactly like the classic Loch Ness Monster. <laughs> oh. And so on this on almost like this lineup of animals, we can identify all of them except one. And that one... Looks exactly like the Loch Ness monster. <laughs> Interesting. It's um that's kind of the earliest kind of record that I found of the Loch Ness monster. So I think it, it was really I think 1933 when Loch Ness monster hit the mainstream, mm. when there were some very notable signings, and my this is the absolute favourite story I found in the research of Loch Ness monster. Do you hear about the guy, Marmaduke Weatherall? Do you read about him? <laughs> no, I'd re- I would remember that name. It's a great name. <laughs> One of the great names. <laughs> yeah. You know how if ever I have to give a fake name, I give the name Steve Bennett? Yeah. From now on, Marmaduke Weatherall is the name Marmaduke I'm giving. Marmaduke Weatherall. <laughs> Marmaduke Weatherall has to wear a monocle. <laughs> Definitely. <laughs> so Marmaduke Weatherall. This is an incredible story. I'll, I'll try to tell it as quickly as I can. Yep. But so Marmaduke was a filmmaker and a big game hunter. And so in 1933, someone had a big Loch Ness Monster sighting. Mm. And then a newspaper at the time, I think it was the Daily Mail, said, okay, well, let's go and investigate. Let's send someone out to try and capture the Loch Ness Monster on film. And we got this guy, Marmaduke Weatherall, who's a bit of a gun at this. Mm. And so Marmaduke goes out. And then as he's trying to find the Loch Ness Monster, he sees these big footprints on the side of the lake. And he's like, bloody hell, that is, that's the Loch Ness Monster footprint because that's an enormous footprint. Mm. So he makes like a plaster cast of the footprint, takes it to scientists, and then they say, oh, this is just a, a fake hippopotamus foot. Someone's taken a fake hippopotamus leg and stamped it on the mud to trick you. Right. And then the newspaper <clears throat> ends up making fun of Marmaduke and he becomes a laughing stock because he got fooled by this little hoax. Mm. And so Marmaduke is devastated and goes into hiding um, just through embarrassment. Then Marmaduke takes his son and stepson the next year and does a hoax of the Loch Ness Monster. Well, you know that classic Loch Ness Monster photograph that you see where if you Google yeah. it, that's the image you see. It's that grey kind of with a serpent-type neck sticking out, sticking out of the water. Yep. So Marmaduke and his son and stepson take a submarine and attach to it a plastic monster head, put it in the water, take this photograph, and then give it to a doctor to take to the Daily Mail to say, look what I captured, because they thought a doctor would be a credible witness. Mm. The Daily Mail post this <coughs> photograph and then... As because you know Marmaduke was so offended, he's like, "I'm going to get them back for making fun of me." So then he tricks the paper to publish this photo, and then for sixty years, this photo of the Loch Ness monster is the photograph that Marmaduke planted as a fake. And then the the stepson on his deathbed ends up saying it was a hoax to get 
the paper back for making fun of Marmaduke. <laughs> like this yeah. whole, it's just an incredible, <laughs> incredible series of events. Good for him for actually coming clean in the end. Have you, so you looked at the photo, obviously. Yeah. It doesn't look, you know, I think I was reading an article that looked at that photo and analysed it from a modern perspective. And they were saying it's obviously, looking at the water compared to the size of the monster, it would have been 60 to 90 centimetres long in reality. That's exactly like, it. Yeah. They, yeah. they took the it photograph look, to like a technician. It doesn't look. Like, it looks like a zoom in of close water. It doesn't look like you're... Exactly right. Like through our way. current eyes, you're like, that looks ridiculous. Yeah. And apparently some of the original photographs, when they weren't cropped in so tightly, you could see the land and it just gave that sense of perspective that it was literally a, a, a child's toy submarine that they put in the water yeah. and they just cropped it in so it looked, you couldn't get a sense of perspective. Yeah. I don't think you appreciated the Marmaduke story as much as was was um, <laughs> required. No, no, it was good. Good story. <laughs> I just had a little smirk every time you said the word Marmaduke Weatherall. That's such a great name. Now, Luke, yeah. if the Loch Ness Monster, Nessie, had a voice, what <laughs> would it sound like? What do you reckon it would sound like? Wow. The, the first thought that comes to mind is he would sound exactly like the worm from the wormhole you mentioned in the space episode, which is that kind of... <laughs> Hello. Yeah. Hello. Hello. <laughs> Uh, very Kermit the Frog, but yeah, well, subtly different very, to the trainee. No, he says, hey ho. <laughs> I said, hey yo. So, <laughs> quite what, different. What do you What do you reckon the Loch Ness Monster sounds like? I reckon, like? He's, I reckon he's like, I do declare. <laughs> I reckon he's like a... <laughs> I reckon he's a southern bell. I he's <laughs> it's like, yes, Miss Nessie. Is that... <laughs> It's like driving Miss Nessie. <laughs> so just imagine I'm sitting on the bay of the lake and yep. all of a sudden I see some ripples in the water and then mm-hmm. Loch Ness emerges out of the water and just zooms past me. What does he say? I do declare. <laughs> well, can, can, you, can you pass me a jumper? It's quite cold. I don't know. Okay, I didn't think that ahead. Can you okay. spare a scarf? <laughs> Yes, Miss Nessie. <laughs> I was not expecting that. Ridiculous. <laughs> Just ridiculous. From <laughs> Loch Ness Monster, the Southern Bell it's, uh, of uh, Scotland. I think that's spot on. Your, your wormhole yeah. was spot on. Your Loch Ness Monster is spot on. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Very good. <laughs> so oh, ridiculous. What else, what um, else did you get into? Yeah, look, not that much. Other than, look, there's pretty much... No one, like the people were still genuinely looking for the Loch Ness Monster in the early 2000s. Even up until 2016, there was a there was a, an expedition in 2016. And then in 2018, there was a another study we can talk about. But people are still who, looking. Who's funding it? Oh, who knows? Who knows? That's crazy. So the, the big thing that's been happening since the mid-50s until 2016 are these sonar studies where they they put a whole bunch of boats out into the water and they put sonar down to try and identify if there's any big kind of objects swimming around under there. Mm. And each of these trips has seen something that they're like, oh, I don't know what it is. It's something that's big. It followed us for a while. And then when we came back, it wasn't there. But I think sonar's a fairly imprecise tool. You can't really, you can't really identify what it is, just whether there's something there or not. 
Yeah. And the, the the biggest one, I think, was in 1987. And when I was at Loch Ness, this is what the tour guide spoke to us about because you kind of left thinking, oh, maybe there is something to this. <laughs> but in 1987, there was this thing called Operation Deep Scan where they lined 24 boats up across the lake, almost like a search party line. And each boat had sonar on it. And they went along from um, you know one end of the lake to the other and they identified that there was this big object that was unusual in size and movement and strength. I don't know how they determined strength. And the people on the boat were like, oh, there's something there. We don't know what it is. Mm. And a lot of them were like, we may have discovered a new type of creature. And so there were a lot of believers involved in that. And then there was kind of other people that were saying, oh, no, that was just a pack of seals or that was just debris at the bottom of the lake. But that was like a really big study where they were like, oh, maybe there's something here. And there's been a whole bunch of those kind of sonar studies where it's not a, a positive identification, but there's just like ambiguity that people are reading into. Yeah. What do you think? I'm... Like, no, I'm this, a- is, this is a man who actively believes in uh, aliens visiting Earth. I and- do not believe in that. <laughs> <laughs> That's one of the uh, classic. Uh... <laughs> yeah, I'm not even, not even going to go into it. <laughs> the the other classic one in 1960. This guy got a bit of film. Did you see the Dinsdale film? No, I didn't see it. Should I watch? Look it up now. Yeah, look up Dinsdale film 1960 and and tell me what you think it is. Oh, hang on. I think it's a small boat. <laughs> what do you think? I completely agree. It's a small boat. Yeah. The funny thing is the so this film got a lot of kind of um, attention at the time, and like a lot of really credible people were like, "Oh yeah, this is actually the best evidence we've got." And then over the years, with more technical now, so we've actually been able to zoom in, and apparently there's some footage where you can pretty clearly see it's a man riding a boat, and there's right. just yeah. just the wake behind it looks like it's the wake of a serpent, but it's actually just the wake of a boat going through the water. Yeah, and it's it is very it's very grainy old footage. Yeah, um, but it's so one of those pretty low resolution, and and the boat it almost just looks like a bunch of black pixels. You couldn't really make anything out. Yeah, you can't really tell. But I think it's that classic thing where you know what's more likely is it an out of focus boat leaving a wake behind it, or is it a sea monster? <laughs> like, yeah, I think it's a boat. I think. <laughs> yeah, well, studies have actually shown they've analysed. Everything that's in the lake, or you know, basically the makeup of the lake and the sort of chemicals in there, molecules, and other sciencey things, and they've decided that it couldn't actually support a large mammal like that. Like, there's not enough food in there for it. Yeah, it wouldn't be able to survive, and it wouldn't be able to survive for as many years as as it had. And how would it procreate? And then yeah, all those. Not not unless it's doing the five two diet. (laughs) If it's doing the five two, maybe they could get by. Because they did, they did that, I think they call it environmental DNA. They did a survey where they look at, take a whole bunch of water samples and they're like, what living species have been in this water over you know a long period of time? Yeah. And there was, there was nothing in there that was anything they couldn't identify. Interestingly, there was no catfish DNA, hmm. which might rule out that as, as an option. But there was also no seal DNA, even though people have seen a lot of seals in the lake, which is a bit of a question mark over oh, the methodology. 
Because I, I just assumed, and I was surprised. I would be surprised that Scotland had seals in their lake. Apparently, the I could be wrong here, but I think the lake when it when there's flooding, it can actually link into the sea, oh. and so a lot of like Loch Ness people are like. Well, it wouldn't need to live in the lock all the time because it could actually come in and out when it connects to the sea. Um, but how often is that happening? Yeah, I'm not sure. Not sure. But mm. what the DNA survey did found was a lot of eels. Yeah, heaps of eels. Yeah. Apparently the lake is flooded with eels. So a giant eel is probably the most likely interpretation. Yeah. I think that it's probably nothing. I don't think they've seen anything. Yeah, or the like each... Each sighting is a different thing. It's not one thing. Sometimes it's a boat. Sometimes it's a seal. Sometimes it's mm. algae. Sometimes it's a log. And there's no one explanation. It's just a whole bunch of misidentification. Yeah. I think that's what it is. Yeah. My favorite misidentification was in 2016, these, um, these, this boat went out with sonar and they found at the bottom of the lake a figure that looked exactly like the classic Loch Ness Monster um, shape. Mm. And I'm like, bloody hell Is this like, is the Loch Ness Monster died And it's just lying at the bottom of the lake <laughs> And it turned out to be a movie prop From a 1969 Sherlock Holmes movie Where they had the Loch Ness Monster in the movie as a prop and at Oh the end yeah, of, I did see that At the end of the movie, they just sunk the prop To the bottom of the lake <laughs> Right <laughs> Alright, well, more moral to the story No truth to it whatsoever No, I think the yeah. I think the best Um interpretation of like what's going on here is skeptics talk a lot about the low information zone when you have something that looks intriguing but there's insufficient information around the sighting to identify it and the more data rich you get with the sighting the less interesting things become yeah and so it's they call it the low information zone and that's why it's never aliens it's never Loch Ness Monster it's never Bigfoot we're just seeing things without enough information to identify them but that doesn't mean it's something interesting <laughs> yeah should we look into bigfoot one day or are we going to basically come up with the same conclusion i reckon because people are right into Bigfoot. Oh, people... i think a lot more than loch ness people the i reckon we should do bigfoot not next episode but down the track just because bigfoot's mm. a different kettle of fish because people have a lot of like Camera, video, radar Like there's different ways of getting interesting Snapshots of Bigfoot type characters That you can't yeah. get with Loch Ness Because it's hidden under a thick dark lake Maybe maybe in like 20 episodes time Let's do Bigfoot Now we're, I think this is episode 91 We're really coming up to the 100 episode mark Yeah What should we do for the episode 100? I feel like we can't do a normal episode No, it's got to be Let's, let's put a call out. Any ideas for the 100th, let us know what we should do. Mm. I don't know if we've got it in this to do. You know how for the 50th episode we did a least worst bits? Yeah. I don't know. That's going to take a lot of time to do that for <laughs> the 100th. It's not going to happen. Not gonna because <laughs> back in those days, early what's that about, um, they were like 10 minutes long. And as we've gone on, and the lack of success is just glaring. We've just cared less about the podcast. <laughs> so they're, they're stretching out to like 40-minute episodes. Yeah. We, I don't want to listen to myself for that much. No, nah, we can't go back and do that again. We need a no. new... Anyone has ideas, send them in. Yeah. Alrighty. Well, anything else on Loch Ness? I think that's done. Doesn't exist. Well, the Loch does, but the monster doesn't. Correct. And yep. just to see us off. But if it did, it would sound like a Southern Bell. <laughs> that's <Yeah. laughs> exactly what I was going to say. <laughs> 
Alrighty, well, that's, that's Loch Ness. Um, I think another great example. I think we do a lot of conspiracy theory type topics on this show. And I think it's just another great example of when someone believes something, it's really hard to convince them otherwise. Yeah. It's called belief perseverance. And people just don't want to give up their beliefs despite uh, evidence to the contrary. <laughs> What's happening with the UFOs? Like, wow, lots of good things. <laughs> <laughs> lots of good things. Science, sciencey things. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, let's, let's do a quick social etiquette and then we'll uh, we'll head off. If you've got a social problem that makes you want to run and hide, then we recommend you listen to Luke and Don's Etiquette Guide. Luke and Don's Etiquette Guide, if you want. Okay, Don, another little uh, social etiquette dilly for you. We keep coming up with them. So many dillies in this world. Yeah, so many. Um, okay, so you're mowing your lawn, right? Mm-hmm. You've done your back lawn. You've done your front lawn. You mm. go to do your nature strip. And in a lot of places in Australia, there's kind of like long nature strips that are shared by multiple properties. And so my social etiquette question is, is once you do your nature strip at the front of your house, are you committed to doing the entire nature strip of all your neighbours in one go? Or, or is there any world in which you can actually stop at the boundary between properties and leave a, a a jagged short to long grass point. It's a real tough one because I've just, a couple of months ago, I moved into a new house and my next door neighbors, like I've got my driveway, but my property goes on for like another meter or so mm. next to it, which is also just blends into their backyard. So they mowed the lawn and they did some of my property, but not all of it. Some, but not all. So they did some up to up to my driveway, they did. And then once I got past their like house line, where I still have grass, hmm. it's more on my side, they stopped there. So they didn't stop at a natural concrete point, like until the driveway. They stopped. Well, they, well, they did to the driveway. It's hard to explain, actually. Maybe <laughs> I'll post a photo. They did, essentially, they did some of mine. But they could have done. They could have done a bit more. But would would that have required them to push their mower across concrete to get to another patch of grass? No, no. Okay, that's critical. I wouldn't have. That's critical. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, it's a real hard one. So I've basically come to the conclusion that I can't mow my lawn until after they've already mowed their lawn. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm just hanging on. I'm just constantly looking. Out. Have I done it yet? Nah, nah. Still waiting. <laughs> Because I didn't want it. Just it really feels passive aggressive to like make you're the one making the line. Oh, no, nah, I'm not doing that. The it's, hard this is mine. That's yours. The hard stop is the most passive aggressive move in the neighbour business. Yep, it's it's a, it's one step lower than trimming a bush that your bush that hangs over the fence line and then throwing the the, yeah. the cuttings back <laughs> over the fence. That's the that's the toughest move in the business, and I wouldn't do it. I would never <laughs> chuck that back over. Would you? Never, never. But it's it is in the same category of passive yeah. aggressive. Well, I've had that happen to me. Oh, what? And well, they cut. Like it was my tree, and they cut it and they threw it back. And I'm the least, and I think we're both the same, the least confrontational people in the world. Yeah. I just went, oh, that's fair enough. That's my bush. <laughs> but <laughs> that's that's completely fair enough. But I would, yeah, I would just cop it if it was me. Um, I would, I would get rid of it my own way. Yeah, totally. Same here. I'm in the lawn, the nature strip. I'm in the camp of, like, it's good to be good to your neighbours. So I will mow all of the nature strip. 
And I'm lucky because my neighbor does the same. So whoever is mowing, we mow. The only problem is they do mow a lot more often than me. So sometimes I'm out there with a mower when it doesn't even need a mow, just so I'm yeah. getting my turn in. So I, can't, I have the opposite of you. I'm kind of, I'm, I'm mowing like seven times a week. It's almost like shouting drinks. Yeah. You're trying to get you going, but you're trying to do as little as possible. So you wait till a couple of people go to the toilet and then you do the shout. <laughs> <laughs> when you see this, the, the clash where there's one property who never mows their lawn and then yeah. the other adjacent property who mows it regularly. So the division is savage. You've almost got a crew cut next to a massive kind of mullet. Yes. And every time I walk past those, I just have a little chuckle thinking, that is so passive aggressive. But I wonder whether... Do you reckon there would be a technique with the lawnmower where kind of like a short back and sides, you could actually taper the 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 division point so it's going less You could savagely. slowly... You could slowly adjust it so it makes it a bit longer as it goes. Yeah, like, yeah, it's a nice taper. Just do, yeah, just do ten centimeters. Like a number two towards your house. Yeah, and then just blend it in towards a nice short back and sides towards theirs. Exactly right. Exactly That's not bad. Right. That I think that is if you have a, a long nature strip and you don't want to mow your neighbor's lawn, at least do a, a neat taper. Don't just do a hard <laughs> just, stop. While we're on the subject of um, haircuts, mm. which is one of our favourite topics, we're oh, always talking about it. I'm going to get one tomorrow, by the way. A, Very excited. <laughs> yeah, when you're getting a haircut, this is a good question for you then. Where do you look when you're getting a haircut? Uh, yeah. <laughs> because I've made uncomfortable eye contact with the hairdresser multiple times. The last haircut I got, like I was just looking around and then I vaguely saw her looking at me. So I looked up at her and she was looking at my hair, obviously, because she was cutting it. And then I'm like, oh, oh sorry. <laughs> it's just awkward. I don't know where to look. He just made eye contact. It's just, I made it like four or five times accidentally. I'm like, oh, I'm sorry. Just want my hair cut. I, I genuinely just look at, I look at myself in the mirror, not in a... But you can't just stand, you can't sit there looking at yourself. That's weird. Well, sometimes I'm like... I have this absolute existential spiral that, okay, this is where I'm at. I think mm. we've mentioned this before on the pod where it's just, I'm just looking at myself for 45 minutes, just thinking, how did we get to this point? Yeah. <laughs> is what I'm thinking. 40 years is what happened. <laughs> <laughs> but I do, the other thing I, with hairdressers is, I don't know what your hairdressers are like, but every time I get a haircut, they cut it and say, what do you think? And it's mm. And they've taken off... You know, barely a centimeter. Yeah, and I'm I go in all the I I but go in for your old school. I go in. You let once, your hair grow once every six long, months. Yeah, and then you'll get it right off, and for another six months. Yeah, they, they, I think they're used to just doing little trims. Where I'm like, no, I want a lot cut off to get my money's worth. And every time they cut it, I'm like, can you do a bit more, please? And they do it, and I'm like, can you do a bit more, please? And after the third, can you do a bit more, please? I can't say yeah. it again. I can't say no, it again. You can't. I can three, even three is pushing it. It's, Two is is the max. Yeah, that's very awkward. Yeah. Did you have a Did you have a stand up joke about? I can't remember. It was something to do with grass growing, and um, I did. Cover, how do you cover a dead patch of grass or something? Yeah, I did. What yeah. was What was that? Um, ah, let me think. It, so the whole premise of the joke. I'm not going to say it like I'm doing stand up. The whole premise was. Oh, yeah, that, that basically the last 10, 15 years, people have started putting fake grass on their lawn, mm. which is quite common these days. But I think of that as basically like a toupee for your front lawn. <laughs> so, like, I think I used to say, I can understand where they're coming from because I want my lawn to look good, 
and I've got a big brown patch on my lawn where grass won't grow. So instead of putting fake grass in, what I've done, I've grown the grass on the side really long and I've combed it over the brown patch. Nice. Yeah. Good. Very Always good. Always went down well. That was a, like, a, I think my initial joke was that I was at the gym and there was all these people with manly hairy chest and I didn't, ha- I wasn't the manliest guy. And I didn't have the hairiest chest. So I used to comb my armpit hair across my chest. <laughs> that, was, that was my initial joke. And then I switched it to the comb over lawn joke. <laughs> <laughs> the armpit chest hair one is pretty good too. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's good. I'm growing a bunch of grass in the backyard at the moment. I'm just obsessed with it, like keeping keeping the birds off it. And like, yeah. I've, What I've, do the birds do? They eat grass? They eat the seeds because I'm kind of growing it from seeds. Ah. And I've just become... Have you been growing that from seeds for like six months? Yeah, I keep on topping it up where it hasn't worked. <laughs> <laughs> But I'm, I'm like a, I'm like a crazy old man because I've got like a fake hawk and I've got little glittery things and I'm out there shooing birds away every five minutes. I've yeah. absolutely lost the plot. And but I'm, I'm obs- do you have CDs in the trees and things? I've got a few shiny Compactus. things, not CDs, but little shiny bits of tape. Does that actually work? Not, oh, not Some birds get fooled by it, others don't. But I've, I just feel like I've absolutely jumped the shark as a person. I'm just so obsessed with this grass. Yeah. And the, my kids- well, this is the. Transition to older man is yes. what you're going through right now. Exactly right. This is what's happening. Yeah. And I, I can talk to the kids and I'm like, I'm pretty much a farmer. The way that I've 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 <laughs> got this grass growing out the back, I'm almost a farmer. <laughs> when it starts raining, do you say the rains are here? The rains are here. <laughs> do, you say, do you say that? I I don't say I do say uh mate, good for the garden. Good for the garden yeah. is it comes out a lot lately. <laughs> you're this Bloke, I spoke to a bloke the other day and you know they're just like most blokes just know stuff and you're like, How do you know that? Yeah. He's like, What are you growing? You're growing cooch or uh kakuya or what are you and I'm like, I don't know what type of grass I have. How no, do you at know that, that point at that point I always go cooch. <laughs> I don't I don't know what it is. I just say, Oh yes, cooch mate. Uh... <laughs> I watched a video of how to identify grass. And mm. it was like an eight. Okay, you've dro- you've definitely jumped the shark now. <laughs> was that? Were you the first viewing of that video? <laughs> How to differentiate different types of grass? <laughs> but it was ridiculous. It was like an eight-minute video of they're going, "Oh, cooch is a, a long blade with a sharp edge," and then it was like, "Kikuya is." You know, a long blade with a slightly less sharp edge. You're like, "How yeah. are you figuring this out?" That's like I always buy, oh, I say always, I've done it like twice, weed and feed for the garden. Ah, uh, yeah. yeah. I'm like, weed and feed? That's two birds with one stone. That's my kind of... <laughs> Sold. That's my, that's my kind of uh, thing. And But it says, don't use on cooch. And I'm like, well, I don't bloody know what grass it is. It's, I just use it anyway. I don't have cooch, apparently. <laughs> weed and feed is a great name for a product. Mm. Like, oh, two for the price of one, sign me up. Yeah. Plus, good rhyme as well, <laughs> which is the main thing. <laughs> it is. There is something when you hit that stage of life. Well, I don't know whether it's just when you're like busy with work and kids and you've got three minutes out there with a hose watering some grass and you're like, yeah, this is the only moment of peace in my day. <laughs> yeah. Well, there was a guy, I used to live down the road from a guy. I didn't know him, but he had amazing grass and he was just always out there. He had a beer in his hand and he just had the hose on. Oh, I reckon 90% of the day. What a great and moment. He looked like he was at peace. <laughs> so good. <laughs> so good. All righty. 
Um, anything else? No, we got sidetracked to talk about grass for 20 minutes. <laughs> but that's basically... We need to go on the ABC because we would actually... We're turning into an ABC podcast. It's it's pretty much Gardening Australia here on yeah. the What's That About podcast. <laughs> um, alrighty then. Well, any 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 other thoughts or notes before we finish up? No, that's it. Um, I'm really going to try and come up with something better other than pharmacy chat in the beginning <laughs> of the podcast because... Look, that amused me, but based on Luke's <laughs> reaction, not great. <laughs> I'll try, I'll try harder. But he really, he was really keeping eye contact with me while he wasn't looking at the keyboard. <laughs> not bad. <laughs> not bad. And just because I loved it so much, any chance of one last uh, <laughs> what the Loch Ness monster sounds like? <laughs> All right, love you guys. Bye. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not doing it. <laughs> awesome. All right. Thanks for listening and we will catch you next time. Okay. Bye. Okay, bye.